to this. This episode is brought to you by the good folks at UN Athletics. Let me tell you something about UN Athletics. DP, let me tell you. They just released a two-chain shoe, okay? They got two of them. The second one is dope. Check that out on unfx.com. They also got a 4th of July one coming out. You know what I really like? They got an Anthony Mason tribute at the end of July, and all the proceeds go to the family. Ah, uh, that's official. Come on, for Big Mace. I, I could not... How could I say anything bad about Ewing when, when here they are on the ground with the community? Sure. Anthony Mason tribute shoe? Yeah, yeah, at the end of July. So listen, internets, yeah, if you want to uh, New York. check out UN Athletics, go to unathletics.com, put in code PETE10, save yourself 10% on your order, and it's free shipping. How could you go wrong? Listen, head on Free on, shipping and- And 10% off. And 10%, yeah. So if they live in like, you know, free shipping out of the country? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know about out of the country, but listen, put in PETE10- Free shipping with domestic 48 states. Hey, maybe Hawaii. Hawaii and Alaska. Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, Hawaii they put Hawaii in the mix. They put yeah. Hawaii in yeah, the mix you're now. right, you're right. As a matter of fact, Hawaii is a state. You're right. Puerto Rico gets in. There you go. Internets, go to youandathletics.com, put in PETE10, the code at checkout. Get yourself 10% off and free shipping. Now let's get to the show. Cheer. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Man, listen, the last couple of episodes, man, have been really, really special, man. You know, um, April Walker, you know, doing all the Walker gems. Like, I really like that. You know, we had April on a long time ago, um, but then brought her back really just to go over her, her book that she dropped and just the inspirational. The Father's Day episode was beautiful. Um, even like Memphis Bleak, man. Listen, Brooklyn's own, you know, and Bleasy, man. Uh, special, special episode. But, you know, this one um, I've been wanting to do for a while. You know, somebody that, uh, you know, in this day and age, you know, it's longevity is a hard thing to do. And, or, or just be a part of. And just being able to flourish and being able to be good at your craft for so many years is a tough thing. And, you know, when I think of that, I think of somebody like Steve LaBelle. And, uh, you know, just watching him over the years, you know, all the management stuff, the extraordinaire type crazy stuff that he does, you know, and we're going to hear about, we're going to find out about all the deals and what it takes. And, and most importantly, what I wanted to do is is inspire young people and young managers that maybe want to come into the game because, hey, listen, Steve, you, you're getting old, man. You're getting old. But internet, listen, welcome to the Premium Peace Show, Mr. Steve Lobel. Thank you, uh, sir, for having me. Hey, listen, don't don't media train me here. You're answering, answering so fucking media train. <laughs> I never right. had media training in my life. Listen, right off the and bat. age is just a number, man. Right so, off the know. bat. Right off the bat. Yes, sir. Been in the game for how many years, man? Oh, uh, man, at least three decades. Okay, almost 30 years. Yeah. Jewish, right? Yes, Jewish what, is, what, what, what was it like being Jewish in hip-hop, like coming into the game? What was it like being Jewish in hip-hop? I mean, I never looked at it like that back then, but, yeah. um, you know, one of my mentors is Jewish, Leo Cohen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, MC Search, mm-hmm. dear friend of mine, he was Jewish. I was surrounded by a lot of Jewish people. Beastie, was it one of the Beastie Boys? Yeah, Beastie Boys. Um, who else was back then Jewish? Um Russell Simmons, so to speak, is Jewish sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my mentors. So I don't know. I never looked at it like that. I I, I really was raised by not looking at people as their, their religion mm-hmm. or their race. Sure, sure. Definitely, I understand that. But the reason why I say that for is because it's even like, like, like I give you an example. I had Ilmine on here. He's Filipino, producer Ilmine. And I was like, yo, what was it like? Like, did you think people took you serious being like a Filipino kid coming in? Like, yo, I got beats. 
you know, and then, you know, them looking at you like, what does this kid got? Because people judge people of, of their parents or, 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 you know, and to be honest with you, like, I was telling my man Isaiah, I was on the train the other day and uh, in, in New York City, and, and I seen this kid, I think he may be, I don't know what he looked, maybe he looked Indian, and he was mixed, and he had Migos blasting through his headphones. His pants were sagged, belt buckle out. You know, he just, you know, that he looked like, you know, he looked like a, a, a the way people dress now, you know. But what I was saying back in the day, you know, hip hop, you could tell who was hip hop and who wasn't hip hop just by the way they dress, but by the way they look. You know exactly. what I mean? I, I first, you know, I say God, only God could judge. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say the train. I took the train today. I took mm-hmm. the E train. You know, when I come to New York, I like getting on the train and just exploring, so to speak. But um, I don't know. I, I, I lived off respect. Yeah. So it wasn't if I was a white guy, Jewish guy, whatever. It was just respect. You know, I, I I ask for respect, respect. I demand respect, and I give respect. And you know, obviously, I come in the game. If anybody didn't know, through Jam Master J, rest in peace, mm-hmm. and Run DMC. Mm-hmm. So put it this way: thirty years ago, or say twenty something years ago, kid from Queens, Steve LaBelle. Where did what did you even want to be growing up? I really didn't know, honestly. You know, I I started working at nine years old, shoveling snow, raking leaves, delivering newspapers. I was busboy in, in restaurants, waiter. I just wanted to make money. Um, I was dipping and dabbing some other things. Um, and then, you know, I just, you know, fell into the whole Run DMC Jam Master J lap, so to speak. Started touring with them. But how you met Jam Master J? No, I grew up with them. I okay. grew up with Run DMC and Jam Master J in Queens. Shout out to my man, Mustafa. I went to Jamaica High School. Um, you know, it was like... Phew, Eighty something, eighty two, eighty three, around that. Mm-hmm. Suck MCs just came out, um, and you know, at the end of the day, I think you need to put my phone on vibrate. My bad. Yeah. Um, hey, listen, that's the part of a uh, we working, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, shut that. Shut that damn phone off. Hit the side. And hit the. Um, you know, I started carrying Adidas bags. Um, you know, I, I I didn't know. I just did where I could get in where I fit in. You know, re- records, going on the road, um, hanging out at Def Jam Records, Rush Management. Being around Russell, Leor, watching Kevin Lyles go from intern and grow. Um, yeah, but how did how did that? Well, let's take it back for a second. First of all, you grew up your father and mom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Both in Queens. Both yeah, married. My mom and dad in Queens. They were married for fifty four years. My mom passed six years ago. Sorry to hear. Rest, rest in, in peace. peace. Thank you. Um, and um, you know, I, I really never went to school, uh, and I realized later on why I never went to school is because I have a Snickers bar. And a, and a sun kiss soda every morning. And um, matter of fact, I got a Snickers bar right here. Mm-hmm. And the sugar rush had me going crazy. I couldn't sit in school. Mm-hmm. So I just never went to school. You know, I got a GED. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad and my mom was called by the principal all the time. And they tried to get me tutors. And um, it wasn't that I wasn't smart. I just couldn't sit in class. I'd rather go hang out, rather go roll dice rather kick it stuff like that it was just it was crazy man the envi- the environment man the environment around you had uh literally paused but sucked you in yeah you know you you, you think about it a young kid from queens growing up no ged right i mean uh, no GED. ged but yeah. no 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 really schooling right did your parents look at you like yo what the fuck are you doing nah i mean you know my dad always worked a lot so i didn't see him a lot I only really saw him on the weekends. OG Ted. OG Ted. Yeah, shout out OG Ted, my life. And um, my mom was always home. She never worked. Um, my dad had a couple different jobs. And um, they would always yell and scream at me, but I was just like, I don't know. And my dad always told me, like, if you want to, you know, there was the BMX bicycles back yep, in the yep. days, like the mongooses and yep, stuff. Yep. 
like you want one, you got to go work for it. Mm. I wanted a Yamaha YZ125. Go oh, work dirt for bike, it. Dirt bike. Yeah, so everything he said was like, if you want something to go work for, I'm not going to give it to you. There's no silver spoon here. So, you know, and I, and I try to play baseball and I try to play football. And I, I, I love that. I love sports and I was good at it. But you can't dedicate yourself to sports and really be great at that if you want to go make money to buy that bicycle or the Pumas or the Dita Shell Toes. So I always worked. And, you know, I was in Spofford when I was 13. Really? Steve, uh, I didn't even know. know you were such a fucking uh, <laughs> a troublesome kid, man. No, I'm not. I'm not a troublesome. Hey, don't, listen, don't I was I, I was in Spofford. I, yeah. I, 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 listen, unfortunately, I think it's just, and this is my opinion of, of for me, but I cared too much about the neighborhood, man. Neighborhood fucked me up. And I'm not saying they did something wrong to me because I was involved in everything, but I didn't want to go to school. I wanted to hang out all day. I wanted to smoke weed. I wanted to fucking make quick money. I wanted, like, like I, I wanted to do everything that was instant gratification at the moment, but I kind of knew it could be hurt me in the long run, and I, st- I still did it. You know, like I was telling Bleak the other week, I was like, yo, uh, a lot of OGs that were around me, it was a lot of older kids that were around me, but they really taught me how to crash and burn without really knowing that. They didn't really set me up. Like, they weren't like, yo, what you need to do is, 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 is get become a homeowner. What you need to do is stack some of your money and build your credit up. Nah, they were like, what you need to do is, let me show you how much money I got on me. So I was like, yo, I need to carry everything around on me. It's crazy because I was think I think back, and this ain't about me, but I'm thinking back, I'm like, yo, I used to go to the club, I had six, 7,000, but that was all I had. Yeah. And I had it on me, and people used to pull it out with the rubber band, you know, like peel off some money. Girls like, oh, look, you got a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, you know how we do. Yeah, I wasn't around the crashers like to tell me to crash and burn. And I, my parents, you know, didn't, you know, neglect me or steer me in different ways. Um, I never got tied into, like, cigarettes and smoking weed and doing drugs and drinking. I didn't think that was cool. And, again, teach his own. You know, I think I was working on my YZ125. I was, like, 13. It was hot as hell in the garage. And it was summertime. And I, I always watched these beer commercials. And it looked good, the low and brow. And there was a beer there. And I drank the beer at 13. I'm like, Shh. had me, like, twisted. And I was like, I think that made me never drink again i never drank so you still never drink no i don't drink like you'll catch me maybe with a glass of champagne on new year's mm-hmm. or a moscato on my birthday or if i'm taking a long flight of, uh uh bally's but i'm not a drink and do you think that has to do with you trying it when you were at a young age maybe um you know my my parents weren't drinkers um or smokers and stuff like that you know um Again, I don't know. People always peer pressured me when I was young, going to junior high school, like smoke the cigarette, smoke some weed and try to, you know, pressure me and not punch him in the face. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I, I wasn't a follower. I was a leader. Mm-hmm. I just was addicted to making money, but sure. more so really working. Like if you ask my dad right now, he'd say, Steve just wanted to always work. Now, where does this we working come from? Is that? I mean, we working comes from, um, honestly, my man, Jay Reed, Pyru from L.A. Mm-hmm. He came up with this we working um, and then I set up an Instagram a while ago and started a hashtag and we working and it started from there. But, you know, my company's called A to Z Entertainment. And the reason why I called it that is because I did everything. So, so what's it called again? My bad. A to Z Entertainment. Oh, A to Z. So okay. meaning I do everything from A to Z. Mm-hmm. I could role manage, manage, A&R, executive produce, DJ, hype man, security, travel agent, press, publicity, Everything you could imagine in the record industry, I did. So so you're not above and beyond anything, like even coming into the game? Like, Are you one of those people that pulled up your sleeves and, and did whatever you had to do? Yeah, I'm self-made, um, self-taught. Um, again, you know, Jam Master J gave me an opportunity. 
I would go on the road with Run DMC. He wasn't really a fully position. I would do whatever I needed to do. I was around Def Jam. I was around Rush Management. So it was like a mentorship? Yeah, it was like a mentorship, but just a friend and then seeing where I wanted to go with it. But then I didn't really see, like, how can I really financially make a lot of money? So what I did was, from all the money that I worked, like in the restaurants, busboy, waiter, shoveling snow, raking leaves, doing some other things, I opened up a bar. And I had a bar in Queens called Frankie and Johnny's. Mm -hmm. And then Frankie and Johnny's was near St. John's. So then I opened another place called Sports Library down the block from St. John's. So Chris Mullen, Mark Jackson used to come. Um, you know, obviously Run DMC used to come. Jay used to always be there. And then he'd bring Onyx and just bring all these people that were in the music business because I was like, Jay, I'm going to go do my own thing. And I'm going to leverage everything and have people come by my spots. Um, unfortunately, I had a partner, Italian kid, um, you know, smartest guy, went to St. John's Law School. We were young. And he answered every question on Jeopardy. Really smart, but... He was addicted to coke, and I didn't know that. And he would just every night after make money, he would come and try to take the money. And and one day I just put took him in the backyard, and I put a gun to his head and just you know spin the barrel, and I was gonna kill him. I was just fucking mad because I put hard-earned money, and he put sure. money from money that he got from his father passing away in an elevator shaft. So I appreciated you know a dollar. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna get rid of that. So I got another spot. It was more of a cafe. Um, cappuccino, espresso, pastries, and I, w I was doing other things in the streets and stuff. And then um, it was funny. My other bar, um, Onyx, shout out Fredro, Sticky, Sunny Seas, and rest in peace to Big DS. So Sticky wanted to find a white Italian rapper to be like a Marky Mark. Mm -hmm. So he come to my bar and he's like, yo, let's use the fraternity kids to find one. And he wanted to make like an exercise bicep type of Calvin Klein type of song. So he was using all these white boys, Italian kids from St. John's to like cast to do the song. We found the kid, made the song. And then he was like a bartender I had, his name was Ed Frank. He was a fraternity brother, but he worked at Sony doing retail, selling retail to the retail stores. Mm -hmm. So he worked on the weekends and he was like, oh, he's seen Run DMC at the bar and Onyx. Like, oh, let me bring it to Relativity Records. I don't know if you remember Relativity yep, back yep. in the days. So it was in Hollis, Queens. So the bar wasn't too far. So we took the kid there, and I met a gentleman named Alan Grumblatt that, you know, is the president of E1 right now. And we're in the meeting and stuff, and I was just there as the liaison, so to speak, but Jay was there and Onyx was there. And then Alan was like, hey, you want a job? And I looked at him like, why me? He's like, I don't know. I just think there's something about you want a job. I said, I own bars, I own restaurants. I'm a hustler. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, let me give you a job. So I looked at Jay, and Jay was Jay, shit. Jay used to always tell me to take advantage of him in a good way. Sure. And opportunities don't always knock. So I said, all right, cool. And he's like, I said, what's the job? He said, go around to the record stores in the Bronx, Queens, Manhattan, Long Island, and put up posters. So I was like, all right. And he didn't even ask to pay. He said, okay. And um, while I was in these record stores, I would ask the owners, and sometimes I would go to like, man, I forgot the chain stores, the big stores in New York back in the days. And how's this record selling? And... At that time in Relativity, it was Fat Joe, Frankie Cutlass, M.O.P., The Beat Nuts, Suave House, which Ape on MJG, Tila, Mr. Mike, um, Ruthless Records with, you know, Easy, sure. um, and so on and so forth. Common Sense, who everybody knows is common. So I would be in these record stores and I'd make notes and I'd go back to Alan and say, you know, this store's selling this, but this store's not selling that. He's like, well, that's real creative. And um, next thing you know, I was like, hey, you want to do radio? 
I was like, hold on, let me just conquer the whole United States. Let me call up record stores around the United States. Let me see what I could find and see what's selling and who's hot in these markets and stuff. He was like, wow, like I didn't ask you to do that, but I just want to be innovative. And then he's like, you want to do radio? So I did that for a minute. And the next thing you know, he said to me, we got an artist named Fat Joe. I was like, oh, yeah, I know Fat Joe's in the Bronx. And he's like, yeah, you want to go on the road with him? Because no one's going to roll with him. So I was like, why? why, why was I don't that? know. There's no one wants to go on the roll with him. So um, we used to go to Fantastic in Massapequa. Any OG knows about Fantastic. Every record company used to rent the van there. We'd rent the van and we would drive. Fat Joe didn't fly back then. And we'd hit up the Midwest, like Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit, go to Miami. And we hit up, you know, radio promo back then and retail promo and doing clubs and shows. And Alan would give us like $40 to eat. And Pun was his hype man, rest in peace. And um, uh, Rated R, Full Flex, rest in peace. Raul T.S., I think Cuban Link was around, Armageddon, Triple Sace. And we'd just get in his van and we would travel over the place. And I would call Alan all the time because I worked for the label. Mm-hmm. Like, Alan, you got me out here with these Puerto Ricans. And you only give me $40 to eat with these two fat dudes. <laughs> like, this money going to go quick. And he was like, and I'm like, Alan, you got me fucked up. They might want to beat the shit out of me. And um, I would always tell him to wire me money. And um, from there, man, I stayed in relativity. Next thing you know, I was doing A&R. We signed Fatal Hussein. And then, um, you know, I was just involved with all the projects there. And then um, Eazy-E was coming to New York, and he had signed a group called Bone Thugs and Harmony. And they had a song called Thuggish Ruggish Bone that was blown uh-huh, up. We uh-huh. used to call the music, the video music box that you control. Not Ralph McDaniel's thing, but the thing, the box television. Uh-huh. You'd call up, if you remember that. And the record blew up. And then Easy said he was coming to New York and bringing them to meet the label. And he brought them to New York. And that night we went to the tunnel, mm-hmm. and um, the legendary tunnel. And um, that's the night we ran into Ice Cube. So if you watch Straight Outta Compton, there's, there's a scene in there, but I wasn't there and Bone wasn't there. But Easy Dells tell Cube, I'm here with Bone Thugs. So some of them came, some went back to the hotel, stayed in the hotel. And then Easy came out of the tunnel. You had a Pendleton flannel, two Samoans, bodyguards called the twins. I'm going to walk back to the hotel. I never seen him again. And then I just took over the whole Bone Thugs and Harmony thing, so I, and I stayed with them. So. When you say you never seen him again, what do you mean? You took about he he passed away? He went back away? to L.A., got oh, pneumonia, okay. and he passed away, yeah, and he yeah. saved from AIDS. Yeah. And then, you know, I went to L.A., and then I stayed out there and built, like, a company out there, family, relationships, stayed out there for the weather, um, and I stayed out there doing all the Bone Thugs and Harmony projects, the solo projects, the Mo Thug Records projects. And then me, As what? As a manager? Um, as an A&R. And okay. then I s- fell into managing them. And then my partner, Big U, Big U came home from the penitentiary, and we discovered Nipsey Hussle. Um, and then I worked with Sean Kingston out there, and Ayers, and Man, and Soldier Boy, and Mustard, and YG. Got, you got too many. Listen, yeah. listen, listen. We're so, going to go all over the place. Slow the fuck down. Right? Uh, <laughs> we got a lot of shit going on here. Let's get back to Fat Joe. Right. First time you met him, what was your interaction with him? What did he say to you? Um, I don't remember, man. And, and just so you know this, so while we're doing this interview, sometimes my memory will be going in and out because it's it's public record that... I was in Kanye's 30th birthday party at the Louis Vuitton store in Manhattan, and a shelf fell on my head, and I sued Louis Vuitton. So my memory goes in and out. Really? Yeah, it was a Kanye's Did you birthday. get any money for that? Yeah, I got some money, and they left me laying on the ground. And everybody and their mother was at that party, all the big dogs, and they didn't want to call an ambulance for me. They thought I was drunk. And um, I sued them just because they let me lay there, and my head got hit with a shelf. So really? I don't remember. Did you like, get one of those pair of Kanye Louis Vuitton? Nah, Vuittons? I didn't care about it. Okay. I'm not a Louis Gucci guy. I'm a Polo and Adidas. Okay. But, um, I don't, remember, I don't remember the first time I met Joe, but we hit it off. Me and Joe are still friends to this day. I introduced him to his wife, Lorena. Really? Yeah, I introduced his wife, Lorena. She grew up with me. She's a little younger, though. 
Um, and um, I don't remember the first time like what he said. But, you know, you know, know, right off the bat, for people who are listening that may not know, Steve LaBelle, you know, um, to me, you know, A&R, you know, manager, um, definitely relationship builder. Um, you know, what, what if, if somebody had to ask, what do you do? Because I find that sometimes, like, I do a lot, but sometimes I, when someone asks me, I get I get a little stuck or I get like, oh, well, what do you mean what do I do? I can't explain in one sentence. If somebody asks you, what do you do, Steve? What would you say? A to Z. Okay. <laughs> a to Z, like everything. And um, I don't know. I mean, over the years, I'd say the last de- 10 years, I would say that it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I'm a doc connector. Um, I put deals together, play the middleman sometimes. Let me ask you something. When you're putting a deal together, yes. you ever get anxious? Um, depends on the deal. Depends like, could on you the deal. take us through some of the deals you've done or um, some like that you're proud of? Or? I mean, you know, when Puffy called me to do the Bone and Biggie song, Notorious Thugs, mm-hmm. it was like 97. Mm-hmm. And Bone was wild. I'm like, damn, I can't disappoint Puff, but how am I going to find these guys? I'm yeah. calling them, calling them. And back then, you know, we had cell phones, but these dudes were, you know, Hennessy'd up. And we smoked out, and sure. you know, I, I found them all, and they all pulled up to the record plant one well, at a time. What did you tell them uh, when, when you said, got them? Yo, on? Big's at the record plant. He's in town. We'll do a song. Get your fucking asses here. Yeah. And there's a check involved, but it's Big. And um, you know, and then hearing how the song came out after Big de- died, you know, that, that I was anxious just to get that going. You know, I mean, there's so many different stories. Listen, you you mentioned you mentioned about before about being a manager. It's like babysitting. What are some times that you feel like you babysat? I mean, you know, when I signed up to be a manager, I ain't going to lie. I didn't know that I was going to be a high-paid babysitter. Meaning that, you know, you have to stay on top of your clients and you have to, like, babysit, so to speak. Um, I didn't know I was going to be a loan shark. Sometimes you got to be a loan shark. I didn't know that I was going to be a psychiatrist. I didn't know that I'd be stressed out half the time. I didn't know that, you know, I'd have to deal with baby mothers or girlfriends or wives or kids. You know, I've dealt with it all. And I didn't know that. That's what it was. But again, when people ask me if I want to sign up for something, and if I know what it is, I said, yeah, and I'll learn later. Yeah. You know what I mean? What are some of the other big deals you did over the years that you feel proud of? Right. I mean, I put together that Chameleon Air and Crazy Bone Riding Dirty. Mm-hmm. won a Grammy. It was a huge record. Um, you know. Uh, so you got some Grammys. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I got Grammys for that and Crossroads. Got a couple American Music Awards. See, I'm a type of guy, like, I say that money comes and goes, but history stays. And if you can continue to make history, you'll make money. And I do this for the love and passion, so I continue to make history. So when I go to the house and I see all the plaques and the awards and all the accolades, that's what makes me happy. Mm. Because I could always get money. Money don't define me. My Rolex don't define me. My car don't define me. What defines me is my principles, my morals, my loyalty, and my integrity. Yeah. Hey, listen, you know, you sound, that sounded like a, a, um, an Army or Marine commercial. Real talk is real stuff. But, you know, only people who've been through that journey can really speak that passionately about it. Yeah, you know, keep you don't in mind. in this game that much. No, but keep in mind, again, we live in a day and age where people just see shit. They don't know how much it took to get there. I was having that conversation this morning by trying to make something happen. And my man was at the house and my dad was there. And they're like, damn, that's a lot of work to get that done. I'm like, yeah. You know, the younger generation don't see what really goes on to put things together. They think just like, oh, we're going to make a record, throw it up on Instagram, and we're superstars. They don't understand that a lot of hard work has to go into it, a lot of sacrifice, and having a lot of patience. You know, when you think about manager, right, and you manage, you know, keep it a list. So you manage Nippy Hustle, manage uh, uh, um, Yeah, I managed Nippy Hustle for a while, yeah. Managed Sean Kingston? Yes, for a while, who, about who seven else? years, seen the world with him. 
um, Bone Thugs and Harmony, The Outlaws. The Shout Outlaws. out to The Outlaws, that Tupac's was. artist. Yeah. Um, but you know what's funny? Scott Storch, I imagine Scott, Scott, Scott Storch, Storch right now for the last year, major comeback. You know, listen, you know, a, a manager is a is a weird business, and what I mean by that is, you know, you don't get no raise. You know, and you don't get like you know no four hundred one k. You no know, health so, insurance. So when you think about it, you know you got to make more money. You got to get your clients more money for you to make more money. Yeah, as a manager, you get paid off of everything that you bring, or everything that someone solicits, and you close that deal. So a percentage, twenty percent. Okay, you know. So, so you tell. So so you 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 get that right out of the way when you're dealing with somebody. Like, look, this yeah. is what I'm going to take. Yeah, I mean, I try to. I'm a very blunt person and upfront. I'd rather be like that and be shrewd businessman and not. You know, tell someone this and tell someone that, and it's all bullshit. I guess that's why I have a lot of great karma and, and people respect me because I I'm, I like to handle business. Um, but you know, the manager years ago was a hard job. Now everybody wants to be a manager because that's where the money's at. Because the artists are doing a lot of live performances and merch, so you get twenty percent of you know what they're doing. There's a lot of managers out there right now, and there's a lot of management companies forming. Manager back in the days, five, ten years ago. People weren't trying to be that. They were trying to be something else that could get security, work at a label, get a 401k, have health insurance, have an expense account, have a steady check. Yeah, but you, you, from what I know, and you correct me if you're wrong, you don't do paperwork with your clients, right? Um, yes and no. Depends okay. on who. reason why I say that for is, has that ever came back to bite you in the ass? Um, Pause, if needed. Um, no, no. No, and, really? Um, no? I don't think I ever had no paperwork with Bone Thugs and Harmony. I've been with them 23 years. Mm. See that's rare, very rare. That's very rare. rare. But that 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 goes to show the fact of that you proved yourself time and time again, you know. But back to speaking about doing deals, right? And you said you know one of them with Puffy and Big. What are some of the you know you, you did a lot of different other stuff? I know you you do halftime uh, stuff for the NBA, yeah. right? Uh -huh. What are other stuff that you have done that you either impress yourself or or have been able to you know make a lot of money with? I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I, I man, like I said. I've done so much stuff, so maybe as we go, I could come up with things. But I've been involved with a lot, a lot of things. Um, you know, Jimmy Iovine once had told us, you know, I had Bone Thugs signed over to Interscope in 2007. We had put a single out with uh, Akon Call I Tried, and Swiss Beats was involved, and we had a video budget. And I said, you know what? Let's take that video budget and shoot a movie. And we shot a movie called I Tried. And um, Nipsey Hussle was even in, in that movie, you know, playing somebody a role in there. And we came out, and that uh, that DVD exploded. And he was like, wow, that's a smart idea instead of shooting videos. And we took the videos out of the movie, so to speak. Um, you know, another story is like, you know, I'm sitting in front of Jimmy Iovine with Swiss, and he's like, you want me to sign Bone Thugs and Harmony without Busy Bone? Dr. Dre saying Busy Bone is the best. Where was Busy? Leader. Busy had disappeared for like 10 years of of the, the stent of the career, and Fleshbone had gone to jail. And... um. He said, "You so you want me to do that?" He goes, "Who's gonna put their balls on the line?" I looked at Swizz, I looked at Jimmy, and I said, "I will." And a lot of his staff didn't want him to sign Bone in 2007, and we debuted number one, we won American Music Award, sold over a million records, and he's like, "Wow, you were right." So you know, I feel like that's an accomplishment, so to speak. Um, you know, when Nipsey Hussle, when you know Nipsey was doing his thing in, in South Central, part of Big U came home from jail. He said, "I want to, you know." putting artists on through my hood, the rolling 60s. And I said, bring me stuff. He kept bringing me stuff. And um, I'd go to the hood. Then I was in my range driving back on the 405. I had my little Mexican homie with me and we're listening to some music. It was a CD called The Slauson Boys. And I called him. I said, man, this is amazing. It reminds me of a, 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 it reminds me of 50, but it's a West Coast. He had melodies and hooks and he was spitting. 
And I said, I want to meet him. And we had to go to a liquor store and pull out a DVD with a hanger to the bulletproof glass. Took the DVD back to the house. He watched it. I'm like, dang, he looks like Snoop Dogg. And then he called and he pulled up. And I said, yo, man, I'm fucking with you. And we just made an agreement and we all fucked with each other. And I took him to every label. Mm-hmm. And they all said no. They were like, nah. You're talking about Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, Nipsey. Every label said no. And when I left the meetings, they would call me like, you by yourself? I'm like, yeah. You you know that's big you. Yo, you know it's the 60s. I'm like, and? Like, I feel no one but God. Like, this kid's talented. Wait, and, what were they saying? My, my, you know, yo, this is the 60s. Oh, this is, you know, big you. And the Nipsey, like, yo. You talking about, like, gang, gang shit? Yeah, gang okay. shit. Real gang shit. Because now the gang culture, everybody's a blood or a crip. And they really don't even know what it really means or it's about. I'm living in LA 20 someone years and I don't get extorted and I say the N word and, I, and I, I'm not a bitch. A lot of dudes come to LA, let me get this off my chest. Again. And that happens to them and everybody's trying to gangbang. But again, Nipsey, if you watch this whole career, he never changed. So he went to every label. They said no. They said no. And a guy named Charlie Walk, who runs Universal Republic, was at Epic at the time. He said, I'm going to sign him off his name. And then Nipsey blew the fuck up over the years with a mixtape and he's still growing and if there's a song called keys to my city and he's saying in the third verse he's saying def jam past capital atlantic Two, dre da, da, da. my brother sam had some time to do yes yeah, steve is cool big user animal but we still had shit to do and then we did it you know and now everybody jumps on the bandwagon because most people in this game or in life are followers they're not leaders but I find a lot of things in the beginning. It takes time to grow and blow up. And unfortunately, some things last, some don't. But you just look at Nipsey now. He's still the same person. He built a real brand. Yeah, he didn't have a hit record. He didn't have a number one record. He didn't put out a real album yet. But he built a brand and longevity. And that's what it counts. So, you know, but, that's just but, one thing. No, no, most definitely. But what do you think about the industry politics? Like, and how, how do you personally navigate through them? I hate the industry politics. But, but uh, these are the same people that you're trying to get deals with. Yeah. These are the same people that you're trying to eat with or, or, or you know, so it's tough. You know, you know, it's very tough, but I know who to deal with. I've been doing it for so long that, you know, I'll be associated with someone, but I'll never call them to try to get a check with them because I know their true colors. So at the end of the day, the industry, that's the thing I hate about the industry. The politics, the bullshit, the fakeness, 95% is bullshit. No one keeps their word. No one follows up. Um... Everybody want to tell you this and so that. So how, do how, how does someone as a manager it. do business? I mastered it, man. I'm continuing doing um, business. How I look. What's the sauce? I can't give you that sauce. Okay. Got to go to Steve Lobel Consulting and pay that fee. A to, to Z. get that soft. No, I got my Steve Lobel Consulting business too. Shout out my man Double D in Detroit who runs it. But, you know, we consult artists and, you know. You no, no, I'm sure. You know? But what I'm saying is. From Put it this way. I, okay. I'm a people's person. I know how to navigate the stuff. I think people get intimidated by me because I'm straightforward. And if they BS me, I'll, I'll let them know that. You mentioned something that, you know, you, you're in L.A., you never got extorted. And, you know, you said you used the N-word, right? But what does it have to do with being extorted? What do I say that is? Because in this music business, okay, you could be a rapper and you can get extorted. You could be in your neighborhood and get extorted. You could be, yeah, but you could be an athlete and get extorted. Yeah, well, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that people come to L.A., people come to New York, People get in the music business, and if they don't got no respect or they don't got no backbone and they're not a man, they might get extorted. They might get punked. You know where I'm going with it. You know what it is. You're not. You're from the streets. No, no, you know no. I know with. that. But what I'm saying is, of course. But but what I'm saying is, like when you said, I say the N word. You know, the thing is, we're in a we're in a. Here's the thing. Like you know, I know you um, are a real dude. I know that you're uh, passionate. I know that you have great relationships. But um, 
uh, you know, at this in this climate of the, uh, uh, you know, in time and stuff like that. What you know, I don't even think. Well, that... we talk about the N word. Okay, yeah, in this climate and time, but what, and for yeah. decades, it's been a situation that is a problem with some Afro American people when a white person says the N word. Yeah, Russell Simmons went on the Breakfast Club and he said. Steve Lobel, he gets a pass. He can say the N-word. I've been in situations that I did say the N-word around some Afro-American people, and they try to extort me yeah. or try to Come at pressure me. Yeah. And I said, you're going to kill me first. So it all depends. You know, what, what circle you in? Like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, working, I'm working in the corporate world. I'm in the offices. I'm also in the streets, too. No, no, I understand that. A lot of people don't that. do that. So but I'm just telling you in that perspective. No, no, I understand that. But, but what I'm saying is two things. One is uh, I respect the shit out of Russell Simmons. But giving a pass is like, I, that don't make no sense to me. No, 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 no disrespect to you, but yeah, just hear me out. Because like, if you in if you in L.A. at the corner store and you say it, and then these dudes are trying to like say like, yo, we need to snuff this dude for saying it. Like, you, you know, you can't buy your Russell Simmons said I nah, said it. No, nah, that I'm not that saying you're saying this, that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. But my mindset, just be from being an Italian white guy, right? From my mindset, like. It, What's what's even what's even the necessity to even like you know want to even say like yo like, like if Russell Simmons told me that I could say it I was I still wouldn't fucking give a fuck. No, I get what you're saying, and and, and all due respect, I mean I grew up saying it. Yeah. But I'm just saying to you in general that sometimes in this business or in streets or life, you know people don't like when a Caucasian might say that. You know because of, and 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 you know why I agree. Listen, the reason why I say this for us again, and I'm not I'm not judging your passionate, right. your relationships, your realness. I'm not judging that. But being that you know, keep in mind, there may Russell Simmons may say you get a pass, but uh, you know, uh, Joe Schmo say no. Joe, yeah. yeah. So so the point I'm trying to make is this: with the history behind that and, and the stain on that for me like you know it's so funny i've been around a lot of uh, obviously white dudes uh growing up or well, white dudes used to say oh why are you trying to act black oh, you know man. people used to call me a wigger back in the day me too me right? too but i spy i ain't trying to act black like i remember like when uh, i tell the story all the time i went to my barber i was like put three cuts on my eyebrow They're like what do you want to be black i said no nah, i want to be like kane you know because I, I was that passionate about that so love i that, understand what you're saying but the thing is this there's a lot of people especially white people who say well they could use it why can't we well here's the thing why would you want to use it why would you want to use a word that is used for you know for, for what it was used for for for, for the way they address people in the stain of, of, of bro the, the history of that word like like that's the thing i feel like some white people not meaning you but some white people they feel like they're missing out because they're not saying it, and they get a chance to say it, and they can't say it. Correct, but it was used, yeah. me, it was used of me growing up, of that's what everybody would say. Being my man, him. being my yeah, man or something like you that. You know, and it's still, every day, it's, oh, blah, blah, blah. people are like, yo, but he's white. And I, I say that is not an Afro-American person, it's a slave. But it's funny you say that, you know, that's why I want to do this, this podcast with you, because we have a lot of similarities. Sure. I love when you say, you know, people say to you, why do you think you're black or yeah. you're a wigger? I yeah. get that till this day. Yeah. Yo, why do you think you're hip-hop? Why do you think you, you know, black? Why do you think you're this? Why do you think you're that? I look at these people like you're so fucking ignorant. Yeah, sure. And, and it goes back to my hip-hop don't know you thing. Mm -hmm. So, again, hip-hop's been around, I would say, 42, 43 years. Mm -hmm. And um, at the end of the day, it's controlling the world. It's controlling the youth, no matter if you're Asian, Spanish, black, sure. all types of stuff. And it's mainstream now. Yes, mainstream to the max. And, I, and I, I'll stereotype right now white kids. I'll meet rich white kids that would never want to go to the L.A. County jail and wouldn't last. I don't want to go there. Say the N-word, pants off their ass, fake chain, hat backwards, following the trend of hip-hop. 
not even really knowing it. And I'm like, you know third base is? Or you know the Beastie Boys is? They say, no. I'm like, hip-hop don't know you. You understand? So, but all these kids, you know, when you go to a lot of these shows, there's a lot of white kids there. When, and, and I would say you would never last in the hood. It's a different thing. Well, in New York, we grew up white, Spanish, black. But when you travel the world, it's not like New York. The white kids in L.A. are not like the white boys in, 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 in New York. When they see me in L.A., they're like, what's wrong with you? Like, what do you do? They think I'm like an alien because yeah. the white boys are more like nerds and geeks. But the white boys in New York, they thugged out. Sure, they sure. go to the island. They'll slice you up. They stealing sure. cars. They got tats. They working out. It's a different ballgame. I always say it's the environment. You know, yeah. I know I know Chinese dudes that are hood. You know yeah. what I mean? Because they grew up in the hood. You know what I mean? Yeah. You grow. You, so it's the environment you're around. You know, I know, like, 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 even like there was a Spanish dude that used to hang out when I used to live. Uh, after I moved out of Coney Island and I used to live in Bensonhurst, I know a Spanish dude that thought he was Italian because he hung around. All he hung around was like, you know, mob guys and different mm-hmm. type of Cadillac. You know, so you, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you. Are I was a Guido at one point. I had an Eldorado Cadillac Baritz. Really, to Hamptons. I used to go to Avante. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, that's a fucking beautiful thing. <laughs> you know, um, when you talk about extortion. Did you ever protect Sean Kingston from extortion? I mean, I, I don't like to say that word like... Not protect, I, but know, did you ever I, like advise I, I don't want to say extortion because people go to jail for that. Did, you know okay. what I mean? So, but I did say it earlier, so I'm not going to take it back. You know, Sean Kingston's like a son to me. Mm. You know, I started working with Sean when he was 17 years old. Mm. I seen the world because of Sean Kingston. I never what do you mean by that? I seen every goddamn country, continent. Not states, because the states I've seen with every rapper I worked with. But I mean, Estonia, Prague, Tel Aviv. Yo, I'll tell you one thing, man. Until you got to Tel Aviv, you had me lost. That's how I know I still need to do a lot more in life as far as like, what'd you say again? Prague, Prague. Estonia, you know, Geneva. Yeah, what's good in Prague? Burgers, fries? Prague was just amazing. Like, I got stuck there for like five days, and it was just amazing. See, the problem is, look, first of all, I'm blessed because I would have never seen the world. And I've seen it numerous amount of times. If I wasn't in the music business, there was no way that I could afford to see the world. Second of all, I make sure when I go in, around the world, I try to take the artist to go out. I tell the promoter, get us a tour guide. We're not sitting in a hotel. Let's move around. Let's try the food. Let's go see different tour things. Let's experiment things. Let's do things. Some artists want to do it. Some don't. So I, I've seen the world. And, and that was because of Sean Kingston. But how did you even link up with Sean Kingston? I linked up with Sean Kingston because his brother had an issue with somebody. And this was Sean when he first came out. He had a record called Colors, and the game was on it. Sean's a rapper. If you look at Sean's arm, front hand, it says franchise. He was a rapper. And Sean is a rapper. And he could definitely rap. And he could freestyle. But when he got with J.R. Rodham, they told him to sing, and he started singing and so on and so forth. He's very talented, but he's not Usher. He's not Michael Jackson as a singer. He was a rapper. But again, these days and in the past, a lot of people could sing if you put auto-tunes and stuff like that. So he had an issue that was going on. His, no, his brother had a problem with somebody. And then they called me and my partner, Big U, and we went there. And they were shooting a video on Crenshaw. And we, we took care of it. And he left. Everybody left. And we stayed there. And then I started working with Sean. And then from there, I became like his stepdad. He gets into a lot of fucking problems. He's always in the news with problems. And But why do you think? You know, I mean, like a lot of people get in problems. But I will say this, you know, confidently. Sean, we've cleaned up a lot of things for Sean. Mm, mm. Now, what happened? You're not managing him no more. No. I mean, he's like my stepson. Well, we were supposed to shoot growing up hip-hop. Um, he still reaches out to me. His mom is, is my people. 
Um, Jen McDaniels' is manages my people. You know, I bring different things, and, you know, we, we're like family. You know, is there a reason why Christmas you— and stuff. Um, at the end of the day, you know, nothing lasts forever, so to speak, but we're still connected in some ways. Bone Thugs, I'm still connected with Nipsey. I'm still I'm connected with everybody, but, you know, when you're a manager— you have to dedicate your time 24-7. And to be honest with you, my mom passed away. It made me wake up and realize that I got to dedicate my time now to myself and my dad and to certain things. Yeah. And you, have you, have a, you have a great, you know, great relationship with your dad, you know? Um, well, recently, only when was my mom it, passed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was, it, was it bad growing up? Is it? Um, it wasn't bad, you know. Um, my dad wasn't around a lot. He worked a few jobs. True. Um, he'd be around the weekends and stuff, and um, we'd argue a lot. There were a lot of similarities. Yeah. And my mom passed, it brought me and my dad really close. You know, I, I lost a brother, so I watched my dad bury uh, a son. How'd that happen? My brother um, was a doctor in Los Angeles, and he had four back operations. He got addicted to painkillers. He mm -hmm. came to visit my parents, and then he took too many, and he passed away. Overdose. Um, not an actual, not like a like an addiction of overdoses. Just he had so much pain from these operations that he was taking so many, and his heart stopped. Um, you know, my dad's been through a stillborn taken out of the toilet and burying it. So when I go to cemeteries, every time I come to New York and visit my mom, there's a, a tombstone that says Baby Lobel. They never got to name it. Oh, so they, okay, so they yeah. lost the baby. Yeah. And my mom had a couple of miscarriages and had a baby. Like I said, it says Baby Lobel. My brother's buried there. So, you know, me and my dad got really close when my mother passed away. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's important to have a father figure in your life, man. You know, especially... You know, son and father, or even just father and you know daughter. It's important, you know. So when I see you show love and and and, and you know, it's important that people get to see that man. It's inspiring. Yeah, you know? a lot of people love OG Ted because I be throwing him up on the ground. But yeah, I seen you recently just put him up, and I seen yo mad people like Nori uh, shouting him out. Buster, Buster he's, got a, uh, he's got a girlfriend now, and I couldn't accept that in the beginning. But you know, I'm not here a lot, so she's there for him. You're sure he needs somebody, and you know, I, and my dad always tells me as you get older. You know, you need someone to take care of you, and um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's you know, you have to have balance, you know, and your family first. But I was just running around the world, and I was just working so much that I missed out on a lot of opportunities. So my mother died. I had a lot of regrets. Yeah, regrets, right? That you didn't get a chance to spend, spend some time, spend on. enough time and stuff. Yeah, you know, it, it, as a manager, you know, it's got to be tough, you know. But the manager get groupies, man. Yeah, you know, look, I want to say this real quick. Like everybody needs a mentor in life. And my dad is like my mentor in Russell. But, you know, I do a lot of motivational speaking at colleges and high schools and juvenile halls and drug rehab centers. And I noticed that a lot of the children don't have a mother or father in their life. Sure. Either they're in the streets on drugs or they just had the child and they weren't there for them or they're locked up. And I try to tell people when I speak, like, if you're a man or a boy or a gangster and you have a child, be a man and take care of your child. Sure. Because it you affects know, them. You know, listen, let yeah, me tell you something. It affects them. Um, I live by this. And, and anybody who, who listening, who knows me, knows how much I, I, I mean, almost every episode, uh, I, I want to find out about, um, you know, the person, if they live with their father or mother. Um, I've seen girls that I know grow up with no father chase a man forever, you know, because they didn't have that father figure in their life. I, you know, that's why I always push this presence over presence, because meaning like be there will do more than giving a gift. Right. You know, and, and, and we all got regrets and make mistakes and, and, and you know, stuff like that. But, you know, being it, well, man, why, why'd you never have a kid, man? Well, you know, no, and it's about the choice making life. So groupies, like you say in groupies, right? Of course, everybody got a groupie. You know, it could be the, the bag carrier, the security guard. It's crazy because 
there's so many groupies around the world that are just trying to be around a celebrity or if they can't get to the celebrity, get around the entourage. Me personally, I was never about that. I was just about my business. And I just had to recently tell somebody who was young, was working around someone that we know. And I said, when you're around someone, you're working. It ain't about the girls. It ain't about smoking weed, drinking, and fucking up. It's about handling the business. Because if you had a job at Citibank or if you had a job at a school or anywhere, you don't bring your homies to, to, to work. You don't get drunk and high. And that's what I try to do with my artists when we go to meetings. I try to be at the meetings early and try not to come and smell like alcohol or weed and be professional. So I was just... Yeah, but how hard is that? You say that like it sounds it's, it's easy. Hard. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. But I, I lie. If the meeting's at 3, I'm going to tell them the meeting's at 2.30. Even with the flights right now, when it's a flight, it's at 7 a.m., I'm telling them it's 5 a.m. And I get the same artist for 10 years straight and they're like, damn, it keeps getting us. You deal with a lot of pushback, you know, even like Scott Storch, you, you know, you've been a big part of bringing him back. Yeah, it's you know, been fighting, about a year I've been with him. And fighting his demons, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, how tough is that dealing with him? Because I know, um, you know, you, you, with, with somebody that, you know, has been accomplished, it, it's tough to, to deal with, you know, he's right. probably set in a lot of his ways, no? Right, but I still want to go back to something you asked me because it's important to me. So I wasn't caught up with the groupies and I always believe in karma. You know, it's funny. Guys will be out there cheating on a girl. When a girl cheats on a guy, he ready to dog her, get rid of her and everything, right? So I always was in long relationships. I've had girls for three years, four years, five years, and I never cheated. I was just loyal to them. But I traveled too much. I worked too hard, and I lost them all because they're not going to sit around and wait for me when I'm moving and shaking and they want to go bowling. They want to go to the movies. Girls need attention, and I lost a lot of great women. You ever regret that? that? Yeah. Um, and I regret that I don't have no children. I'm 51. I know I look 38. Thank you. Yeah. 39. 39. You know, when I did that millionaire matchmaker show twice and women were hitting me like, you're such a great guy, but. Wait, you were, you, yo, you jump over things so fucking quick. Hold on. So, so, so I'm thinking about adopting, but I always wanted, if I had a child, I wanted to have a child with someone I'm going to be with. I'm going to be there for the child goes back to what I said earlier because I'm traveling so much, I can't be there. And, and I salute Scooter Braun because he balances it and understands it. I didn't want to, how, I wanted how to does be he there. Balance I always ask him that. He says, I got a great woman and, and a great team. But I had that too. But it just it just, it just just happened. So like I said, I might adopt. Um, older? Older kid right um, now? Yeah. Or, you know, who knows. But at the end of the day, that's a, another regret. We went to another story. What was the other question? Not the millionaire matchmaker. I went, you had something asked me something else. What else were we talking about? And I went back. Someone I don't know. In. First, you told me that you had a bad memory. Now I fucking got no, a bad but memory. Who caught it? Because he. I went to. Wow, I don't have a child. But then we were talking about something else. Why you but, never got? Why you never had a kid? You yeah, know, did a millionaire married. matchmaker. Oh yeah, I did millionaire matchmaker twice. Um, wasn't really looking for love. How'd but, that happen? You know, um, someone called me and um said you want to do millionaire matchmaker. I didn't even know what the fuck it was. I called my cousin in Florida, and she says, oh, my God, I love that show. You should do it. And I did it, and um, I brought the culture to that show. Um, I uh, brought the date to the Scratch Academy, JMSJ Scratch Academy, and had JMSJ's son teach us how to DJ, and that was the date. They loved that. And Excuse me. And then the second time I did it, I brought OG Ted on. Okay. And he picked the girl through the mirror, and the girl Masika was on there, the one who was on Love and Hip Hop and stuff. And I brought Crazy Bone on that episode, and he rapped with Patty Stanger in the studio. And I took the girl on a gondola ride and opened a little picnic basket. And the first episode, I shut down Philippe Childs. I cooked for her. I, you know, smooth so, motherfucker. Yeah, I was doing huh? a lot of smooth shit. Was that when you had, now, now, that was recently? Uh, a few years ago, Patty okay. Stanger, you know, she calls me a tough teddy bear. <laughs> hey, yeah. listen. And I, you know, I, I won't call you that, but. Yeah, I did a lot of reality shows. I did um, Road to Stardom okay. back in 2004 Missy Elliott. 
Um, Will Yellow Wolf was on that. It traveled around every city, um, finding you know people to challenge. Thirteen people, and they get a deal with Missy. So I was ahead of my time with reality shows, and then I did Manager Celebrity, and I did um, Millionaire Matchmaker twice. Um, you know, I'm working on some TV stuff right now. I'm working on my book, a bunch of shit. You know, with Bone Thugs, right? Yeah. You've been with them so long. Yeah. And you dealt with, so I'm sure, a lot of drama, man. It's five you Kanye's, ever, you, you, five Jay-Z's, you, you know? You ever, you ever want to quit on them? Yeah. I just had a conversation with Lazy Bone the other day. I said, man, I'm about to quit, man. Wait, why is that just, just hard man, to get through sometimes? Yeah, you know, just like been through so much stuff with them, and sometimes it gets frustrating. You know, everybody's older, everybody's stuck in their ways. Um, you know, I need answers right away. Sometimes you don't get the answers right away. You know, just, I don't know, but it's more of a, you know, it's a love, loyalty thing. You know, sometimes in life you just want to say, fuck it. But, oh, back to Scott. Yeah. So with Scott, you know, I, I have a talk show called Live with Steve Lobel. I yeah, I like that, man. Yeah, Let me tell you, you something. Man. Over the years when you were doing it, I liked it, man. I liked yeah, it. I just did it out the blue, used my relationships. And I, my first one was with J. Cole. And then from there, I just interviewed a lot of people. So I want to get, so my man Raul from Terror Squad, he, uh, was with Scott and I saw him on Instagram and he hit me and I said, Yo, Raul, I need to interview Scott. And he's like, Come through. So I came through and he wasn't there, but Scott was there and I interviewed Scott. And then Scott said, Steve, you want to manage me? Really? And I said, Damn. And um, I didn't know all the stuff he's been through. And I said, Okay, cool. And then managed the producer. So I winged it. I'm like, It's rock and roll. So I just started calling ARs, calling rappers, calling managers and like, Let's work with Scott. And some were hesitant, some were cool, came over because town never leaves. And we just started going. And we were the first one to work with PB Rock. You know, a lot of these artists that are popping now, and we got a lot of things going on. But how, how is that? Is that you putting that together? Like how, yeah, it was me like, putting it together. But um, what makes you look for somebody like you know, his girl, Rock? His girl, Flo, she helped out a lot, um, you know, helping his, changing his life, cleaning him up. And then I met her maybe six months after she got with him, and we did it together. You know, do the Instagram together, and now you know we're doing a lot of stuff. But what know? makes you look for somebody like a PMB Rock? I'm just looking for the next. I'm looking who just got signed. I'm looking who just got the next buzz. Add to the street. Um, and my ears definitely to the street as an older guy. Talk to young cats, and um, we were just bringing in people who before they were popping. I just got an ear and an eye to a lot of stuff. But is it tough, like with, with Scott? You know what I mean? Is it is it also tough being a manager of somebody who's been around and then you know coming yeah. back? Me and Scott argue a lot. You know, like I'm like a little big bro to him. You know, we're both white Jewish kids. Not that's doing anything, but it's just funny, and we both respect each other for what we did in, in the business. But, you know, he's stuck in his ways. He's stubborn. I'm stuck in ways and stubborn, too. But at the end of the day, he's used to one way, and that way has changed. So I just, you know, I always got him working probably, you know, so much that he's like, damn, you really be working. And sometimes, like, when I go out of town, I like, when are you coming back? Like, why don't you stay a little bit more? Because, you know, he likes to chill. But I like to work and, and just always make shit happen. Yeah. So, you know, we have a we have a cool relationship. It's, yo, you know? yo, Scott Storch, fucking, he be on the piano with that cigarette. Yo, that shit well, has we, a long yeah. ash. That shit yeah, never fucking... Or a joint, man. Yo, yo he, he be playing the piano with a fucking cigarette in, the cu- in, in, in his hand. And I'm like, yo, does this dude ever puff it? Like, yeah, yo, he yeah, just he, he just lets the shit burn. He's trying to get him to stop smoking cigarettes. But could I tell you something? I never managed to produce this. But I would be in sessions, but the beat was already made when we walked in. So now when I'm at the studio, I'll sit in the session. Sometimes like, all right, manager's out. Yeah. Or sometimes like, yo, Steve, coming in. Sometimes I like to come sleep and just to watch him. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, guy's a fucking genius. Yeah. Like the way he creates the stuff and plays it and works everything around it and the melody and next thing you know, it comes out to some masterpieces. And, you know, Billboard just did a great article on a lot of stuff that's going on and saying his rise back. I put him back with Dr. Dre, I gave him Dre's number. I had none to lose. 
and they mended it. You got me? Give me Dre's number. Yeah, I mean, okay. I don't know about All that. Hip hop don't know you. Hip hop don't know you. You know, I just did a lot of things, and I'm continually doing these things. Got him out on the road playing keys with a DJ, and just being innovative and creative. Yeah, I know? like that. I see that he's out on the road, you know, uh, playing the keys and stuff like that. Doing I mean, listen, the, Scott yeah. Storch is definitely uh, a creative genius, man. You got to so, get him up here one day. Yeah, yeah. Listen, get him up here. Tell him, we're, tell him, we're fucking. Uh, I'll have a, as many cigarettes as he wants. He loves eating fucking. good food, smoking nice weed, and making music. Hey, listen, we got all that. You know, we yeah. got all that. Now, let me ask you something. You know, when you when you think about a record deal, take us through the process of a record deal. Meaning, like, what does the manager do versus what the lawyer does? Say, okay, so a manager. And I'm I'm glad you asked this question. A manager's job is to let's rewind a second. So you find an artist, you believe in that artist, you do a deal with that artist, then you go and shop that artist to a record label or to an A and R, to a president, depending on the relationships you have. Once you get into that label and you make the deal, they offer the deal first. They could say, Hey, it's a five hundred thousand dollar deal, a million dollar deal, a three million dollar deal, a fifty thousand dollar deal. Things vary these days, especially now. Deals are not the same. Then you say, okay, I want to negotiate the marketing budget, the video budget, um, the recording budget, the advance. Who are we going to work with? Then once I negotiate all that, then I put it to the lawyer. I already negotiated everything, made everything go. Now I put the lawyer involved. Then the lawyer looks at the long form. He starts seeing if there's things in there because I'm not a lawyer. They need to be changed or renegotiated or fixed and so on and so forth. Then that deal gets done. An artist gets a percentage for their pocket for an advance to live off of. If they're smart, they go put it down in a condo. If they're an idiot, they're going to buy a car or a chain. Chain, yeah. Um, and they regret sure. it from years from now. What's the uh, one of the biggest deals you did? Millions. Millions? You know? Yeah. I mean, we did uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony solo deals. After they blew up, it was like a Michael Jackson deal. Really? Like yeah, what, in what Sony. sense? For, for nice. people who don't know. Few, you know, it was meaning like major events, major recording budget, major everything, because they were so hot at the time that people wanted solo projects. It's the same thing I have with Wu-Tang. It's the same thing what's going on right now with Interscope. They'll give J. Cole a deal, but J. Cole signed to another label. They'll give YG a label deal. YG's at another label. Then we did the Mo Thug deal, because they feel like this. If we have an artist like who already has a name in that fan base, if they're going to put out an artist... Those artists are going to trickly, um, everybody's going to go buy that artist because they're associated with that artist who's already big already. You get it? Yeah. So then, you know, you get the events, you pay the lawyer 5% or hourly, um, you pay your manager 20%, you pay your business manager 5% because you want a business manager. A lot of people don't get it. But when the IRS comes and those taxes and a lot of people get jammed up, you regret it. And then you have your, your, your deal and then you start going and start recording. You try to keep it under the recording budget. Which and does which, how which sometimes hardly never happens, and I'm going more so back in the days and sure. years ago, but now these days things are structured different. It's a 360 deal, so the labels. What's your thoughts on 360 deals? I mean, you know, Leo said it best. I feel like at the end of the day that no one was selling records, so the label wanted a piece of pub, piece of the merch, piece of the touring because records weren't selling as much. So I feel like I, I watched interviews and Leo said this: like if I'm going to invest my money in you. And I'm going to get my team that know everything and my connections and my relationship and make you grow and bigger than you are, then we deserve a piece of it. 
Why? But why do you think so many people when they hear 360, it's like, like they're scared of it? Yeah, but I guarantee you a lot of the same people that did 360 deals. Yeah. They're scared of it because it was like a big thing going on, like culture vultures or, you know, things about... You know, they're robbing the artists and stuff. But, you know, if you go... Did Dame put you as a culture vulture on nah, his Instagram? Never. Okay. You nah. cool with Dame? I'm cool with Dame. Okay. I respect Dame. Hey, listen, at one point in time, he was going... He was putting the, yeah, the, the person after person after person yeah. after person. Yeah. And I was like, man, I hope I don't but see I Steve LaBelle up there, nah, man. Nah, I respect Dame. And um, I love listening to him talk. You know, people couldn't handle him, man. He was too real and straightforward and intimidating. So, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I got a story, man. I'll never forget, though, with Alan Grom about Damon Dash. Uh, Rockefeller and Relativity was in the same building. Mm -hmm. I believe it was 79 Fifth Avenue at the time. And M.O.P. was signed, and Jay-Z had a song with M.O.P. And we needed Jay-Z in the video, and we went downstairs to talk to Dame, me and Alan. And Dame was in there. He was getting a manicure, pedicure, had dogs running in the office. I'm like, I've never seen this before. I'm like, Dame, Jay need to get to this video. And right then on the spot, we negotiated a deal for that, and then Jay-Z went to Brooklyn to the video. I'll never forget just walking in and see him getting a manicure, pedicure, dogs are running down. I'm like, yo, this is this is crazy. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, that that's just that story. But these days, you know, a lot of late artists are doing it independently. And then the label's coming and trying to give you some money, which they're a bank. You have to pay it back. Sure, sure. And a lot of labels, a lot of artists are saying, you know what? I don't need the label. Sure. I'm a, I've done it myself from SoundCloud or Spotify, from my own way. And now I don't need you no more. I'm going to go get a great booking agent, do shows. Um, get my show money, get my merch money, and you know, Chance the Rapper is one of those guys who's done it. So the game has changed so much from what I've done it. You know, I've come from, you know, going into radio stations and bringing the record. Now you're just sending the record. Sure, sure. Making collaborations on two inch, and you have to FedEx the two inch to New York to LA to get the vocals. Yeah, you speaking, you speaking, uh, you speaking in a different language. Yeah, video budgets people. a million dollars. Um, now how much are video budgets? Man, you can shoot a video for free or a thousand dollars these days. Um, you know, so much stuff. You know, I try to tell people that less is more and that quality over quantity. And, you know, everybody's saying keys. Yo, Cal the keys. I know Cal since 95. Mm -hmm. I know him a long time. That's what do you family. think of his progression? That's family. His progression is his personality. Unfortunately or fortunately, personality trumps talent. I got personality, so I get people want to interview me because I got knowledge and experience. People sure. want me on TV. Cal has a great personality. He has relationships. He puts great records together. And he took advantage of that Snapchat thing. And so on and so forth. He never changed as long as I've known him. You know, and Fat Joe put him on. So, you know, my keys, I don't want to follow because he yeah, says the keys success. My my success was based off of never taking no for an answer. Mm. Pete, you know me on your podcast? Cool. Well, guess what? I'm going to make it happen. I'm making it happen. I'm coming through and we're going to do it. Mm. So I never took no for an answer. And I don't know gangster shit. Just on a professional, not taking no for an answer. Communication. You see how we communicate? True. What time? What's the address? Can we do this? Can we change this? Communication is the key yeah. in life. I never had communication in my personal life. Organization. If we're not organized, we're never going to make nothing of ourselves. Follow through. It's the biggest thing in the music industry. Mm. Following up. So following up, communication, not taking no for an answer, organization, and common sense. Common sense is not common. You need common sense if you want to be in the music industry. Listen, it's fucking. We got to take a break after that because those were the the, the keys. But I'm gonna call them the gems from Mr. Steve Lobel. Listen, you. Uh, internet, grab yourself uh, for, in Steve Lobel's part. Grab yourself a pastrami sandwich, pickle on the side, uh, rye bread. Grab yourself some Martinelli's apple juice. I told you last time. And you know what? Fuck with the Martinelli's grape juice. 
I don't know if how you about, ever... How about a Dr. Brown's black cherry mm-hmm. or a cream? Mm-hmm. Also an egg cream. Egg cream is good. Pastrami on rye. Okay. Coleslaw. Okay. Kashavanikas. Mike, by the time they and grab a black that, and white cookie. By the time they grab that, they're never going <laughs> to press play again. But listen, Internet's was sitting here with my man Steve LaBelle uh, talking about his legendary journey in this music industry and just life in general. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. You listen to the Premium P Show. Cheer. Yo, what's going on? This is Busy Bone. This is Crazy Bone. Bone Thugs, and you listening to who? The Premium P Show. Yeah. And to this, we already told you that this episode is brought to you by UN Athletics. UN Athletics is doing a bunch of dope shit. Their collaborations are, are, are... Listen, they gave us a discount code, Pete10. Put that in at the checkout. Get yourself 10% off and free shipping, okay? Let me tell you something. We already told you about the Anthony Mason shoe they're doing with a tribute. All proceeds go to the family. Official. They, they just did two two-chain shoes that were dope. Mikey likes it. Our guy Mikey likes it has a shoe coming out with them. What? You see it? Yeah, all blue. Shit is dope. It's uh, like man, it's like, like I can fuck with that too because that shoe, um, I can't I can't fuck with my man Mikey likes it. Why? Does he have sugar free ice cream yet? I believe he does. What? I believe he does. What? So you get your fat ass over there. I mean slim ass, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fat slim. Okay, slim fat, fat slim. For slim fat. Slim fast. Over to Mikey Likes It, but also internet. Listen, head on over to UNAthletics.com, put in code Pete Ten at checkout, get yourself ten percent off and free shipping. Free shipping is the wave right Let's, there. That's it. Let's get back to the show. Cheer. Internet and we're back sitting here with my man Steve LaBelle. LaBelle and Company. Wow, that pastrami was amazing. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, listen. Sometimes you got to have a break where you eat pastrami. I need to go to Wohop down the block, man. And Wohop is legendary, man. Downstairs or upstairs? Downstairs. Okay, Only. Down, down, Only. Downstairs. Listen, some people don't fuck with Wohop, man, but I fuck with Wohop. I love Wohop. And it's open all night? I usually go like 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, yeah. 8 at night. Internet's is know. a Chinese food spot in uh, <laughs> you know uh, Chinatown in New York City, man. So, you know... I fuck with it, you know, and, and, and LaBelle fucks with it. Maybe. Listen, um, on the break, we talk about the Outlaws, and you were managing the Outlaws. What's some of the crazy shit that happened while you were on the road you know, with them? It was a funny story. Um, it wasn't even on the road. Uh, Tretch from Naughty by Nature. Yep. Dear friend, you know, shout out KG, Vin Rock, dear friends. Um, they invited the Outlaws to come, and there was going to be a Biggie and uh, Pac tribute with MTV or VH1 at the time. And... Uh, Fat Joe was there and Run DMC and Jam Master J were there. And, you know, they were still young. Pac had just died. And um, it was a tribute. Salt and Pepper was there. A bunch of people. It was iconic. And um, we came in. And I'll never forget Jam Master J and Run were telling the outlaws, like, hey, man, just uh, go in there and just play cool. Just be cool. Because, you know, Puff was going to be in there. And a couple other people were gonna be in there, you know. It was when it was it was it was it was like when temperatures were still a little warm, mm-hmm. and people had passed away. And we went in there for the sound check. And Napoleon, you know, I call him Muta. I love him, man. He's in Saudi Arabia now. He doesn't rap no more. Nothing. He grabbed the mic out of Puff's. Like he went to grab the, the mic out of Puff's hand, and they all got escorted out. <laughs> what do you mean? The, the, we didn't even get to do the show. Really which was fucked up and. But you know, why, why? Why did he do that? Because he was young and wild, and just you know, that's when Bad Boy and Death Row and all stuff was still, you know, hot. And he just did it, and it was just, it was just really, we got thrown out. Really, I was ready to cry because <laughs> it, it meant so much, you know. And then um, Jay and Run and Deal, like, why'd you do it? And he was just young and wild, and he and he and he did that, you know. And you know, a lot of people, you know, don't really give the Outlaws, you know, w- what they deserve. You know, if Pac never passed, the Outlaws would be sure huge, just like when Biggie died. 
no one gave Junior Mafia what they need to be. You know, shout out Little C's and Faith and Little Kim and everybody, you know. And, you know, people don't understand, like, though, but the Outlaws still own their publishing, and they've been on a lot of records, more than rappers that came out will never be part of 40 million, 50 million sold that they were on. Um, they were just real dudes, you know, and they still are from, I just left them. And they're from, you know, from the East Coast. And Pac's from the East Coast. People didn't understand that, you know. So, Jersey. Yeah, uh, Jersey and Harlem and Brooklyn. So, um, you know, I worked with them for years, still do. Uh, we just closed the deal for with Patrick Ewing Sneakers. Shout out my nice. man Dave yeah, nice. for uh, All Eyes on Me. Okay, doing Ewing a collab. Sneaker. Nice. Yeah, collab. Um, they're going to be doing a, 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 a Outlaw uh, movie, which I'll be in. Um, rest in peace to Fatal and Gaddafi, especially, and, and rest in peace to Pac. And um, you know another story: me and Napoleon went out to Vegas, and we're driving his red Lexus convertible. We're out there for a show, and it was crazy because we did the show the day before, and when they went to go do like hit him up and Hail Mary stuff that Pac was on the dat, we used dat sure, the back tape. then. Yeah. It stopped. Really? What, what happened? What, it just stopped. We never knew. Like, what a coincidence this is. Like, is that Pac? Because he got killed in Vegas? It was weird. We never found out. We just thought it was God. So the next day, some of my Italian friends were out in Vegas, and they knew I was there. And in the in the Lexus convertible, we had a gun in the in the, in the middle seat because mm-hmm. we drove. Mm-hmm. And the pop, one thing about the outlaws, they always had guns, but they were licensed. They would drive around L.A. with convertibles and, and guns. Is after Pac died. What was that? Something in like, uh, you know, what, what's shit. convertible in guns? I, like, I don't know. It's the, LA, okay. man. Just have it okay. on your lap and yeah. convertible. I got a convertible and I got a license. Shit, in LA man. Right Th- now. Thank God I didn't grow up in LA because, no, uh, you know, but they didn't grow up there, but they just had that. And the point I'm saying is the story was so I mean, my man Frankie from um, Long Island at the time, he comes and he was drunk and he's causing problems with the valet guy and arguments. And then the valet guy, valet guy opened up the thing and looked, just being nosy, and he saw a gun. Mm. So he called the police. Really? That's why one thing about me, everybody knows me. I don't valet my car. I drive a convertible and I got a license to carry. But it's in my mind. Like I ha- Same thing with my brother with the medication. I won't take medication. So we got arrested, got handcuffed, everything, and then we, we were let go. And you get in Vegas, you get arrested in Vegas, you're fucked. I mean, why are you saying that for? Gun, weed, whatever. Vegas is a tough, tough state. And um, we got out. And then we went back and forth to, you know, fight in and we showed the permits, blah, 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 and we beat that. You know, yeah. so that was a story. Uh, another story, Run DMC story, because you asked me earlier about stories. Yeah, I love I'm stories. in North Carolina, mm-hmm. Run DMC, Jam Master J, my man Mustafa. We drove down North Carolina van. We went to a, a, a club to do a show. Got the van parked in the promoter's driveway in the club, locked in there. Fight breaks out. I'm like, yo, man, we stuck in this club, man. We're going to die. And I got on top of this fucking uh, table in the club, and I acted like I was a karate kid, like I was a martial, <laughs> like I was a martial arts expert. My man Mustafa grabbed, jumped on the table, and just like, let's go. And we fought our way out of this fucking place. I don't know how we got out of it. Got the van. We got the fuck out of Dodge because we were not deep. Hey, listen, you have to, <laughs> you have to get out of stuff like that. Listen, you mentioned to me uh, about Suge. And what was your relationship with Suge Knight? Um, you know, in passing all the time. Okay. I call him Simon. Mm. Um, in passing, I knew him because of the industry and Bone, um, Pac, Outlaws. And um, he was cool to me, but I never really did business with him. You know, I, I stayed far away but close. Um, there so- was a situation 
there was a situation that I felt and I thought. I was in a studio with the Outlaws, with Suge, and I said the N-word. And supposedly, Suge got offended and told someone to try to get at me. Might at that time I had a different Rolex. I still have it. Take my Rolex, but nothing ever happened. And then I had a situation a couple of times with someone like, "Yeah, you remember me from that session? You need to go to the bank. And you need to give me fifteen thousand. I say you need to kill me first. For what? But what for? Just trying, you know. And I'm not trying to shake you down, yeah. but I'm saying, but um, for what? Because for... I had said the end word in front of Suge supposedly. Years later, I found out that wasn't the case. They were just trying to test me. Okay, because you know why I say yeah. that for? Because I know you told me. That, uh, you know, you thought it was right for people who Suge did a lot for to go put some money on his books. Yeah, well, let me say no, but that. The reason, no, again, the reason why I'm saying that for is, is, is no, you know, go ahead, go ahead tell me, go ahead. Well, on Drink Champs, yeah. again, you know, my partner Big U came up from jail and he had a relationship with Suge because of Corrupt. And at the end of the day, I think that's when Suge really respected me from that, but he did respect me. Like I said, Suge never did anything to me. So on Drink Champs, I said, you know, like, Regardless if people judge Sugar's a bad guy, good guy, um, karma or not, you know, people know that Suge did not kill Biggie. People know that Suge did not kill Pac. If you still think that, then you really don't have your ear to the streets. But hold your thought, please. I said in that I said in that interview, <laughs> I said in that drink champs, you know what? Suge is right now in LA County jail. Yeah. Is he doing good? I heard not. Physically. Um he did a lot for this culture. He did a lot for a lot of artists, and I've said that people should pull up to the county jail, and you're a fan, you're an artist that worked with him, you're an enemy, whatever you are, drop $20 in his books. I was just saying that as just a real person. No, no, and I respect that, and I respect that even more, because to be honest with you, when you say that, you know, in a session you said the N-word and and, he's, and he said, you know, for somebody to come at you. I thought you, so. I thought you don't that. think th- that he did that? Because you're saying someone came at you. No, because they came at me weeks later, but years later I found out it wasn't because of that. I assumed. But Suge didn't say nothing? No. And in life, you should never assume, and I assumed. Yeah. It was just someone trying to say, you know what, I'm going to see if I can get them. Because there's been some white executives and white people that came to L.A. who got it. And just, and then even about white, just people get extorted. What do you you think about, uh, you know, this guy Bill Meyer, you know, um, who recently... um they had he said the um the n word where he was saying the house uh, do you, do you see it did you see that no nah, i'd rather stay away from and talk about the music business than then well he he was uh is that how you say his name bill mayer or meyer bill moore bill moore is it bill moore no no Mar, okay, Bill Mar. I'm not saying, but anyway, he he was on. Uh, he has a show, and 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 I guess they were talking about. Uh, and he used the word the n word house, and saying the n word that he would be in the house. Yeah. Uh, and for him to reference that, you know, people went crazy. What do you think? Uh, I don't. I don't even. No, know. because what, I guess what I'm saying back to what I'm saying is why even why why even consider his, himself with the house n word? Like why even be that? Yeah, you know? I don't know. It's weird. You know, honestly, look, like I said, to me, it, you know. Um, it doesn't even in my sense personally me just speaking from me i don't need to ever use it yeah i mean people, and like i don't I give said, a fuck i don't give yeah. a fuck if 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 biggie came down from fucking uh uh from heaven and said Pete, yeah. we give you a pass you know i i um i use it occasionally because i grew up with it but you know back to other things you know like you know stories and stuff like i remember a story you know the producers playing skills 
Mm-hmm. So we were in Texas on a Bone Thugs tour. Those guys pulled up. They said they produce. I'm like, yo, follow the tour. They followed the tour. We built the relationship. Next thing you know, you know, we got Crazy Bone in the studio. We made Riding Dirty. Mm. You know, and won a Grammy from it. No one would expected that. You know, Riding Dirty. Um, you know, so you know, just different stories. Um, now let me ask you, know, you something. Been through, so, what about like in you know going into negotiations? You know, like with no leverage. You ever going? You know. Oh man, that's the worst. I love that question. How do you? How do you? When you have no leverage, man, you just got to be able to be savvy, man. I love leverage. I love leveraging things. People call me like leverage king. Mm. Um, but, Nobel man, the leverager, man. It's like you just got to be savvy, man. Shush, if you got nothing to leverage, <laughs> it just shows you that you're good, man. I, I didn't have. I didn't have a lot of deals. I had something to leverage, man. Most of the time, I just did it off a. Of, the savviness and the faith and God and just um, staying on top of the situation instead of letting it crumble or fall apart. You know, uh, once a deal is set, right, you know, uh, what happens if the person, you know, like the client you're dealing with doesn't want to do it? You know, uh, you have to go back and clean that mess up? Man, um, I'm also the Mr. Fixer, fix it up. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that I You ever had that where somebody oh, tons. Yeah. I always fixing stuff up. Say you're gonna do this and don't do it. Relationships on the line. This one doesn't want to do it. This one that I, I recently say like, you know, sometimes I'm putting my life into the next grown man's life. If they don't want to do a show that day, I look bad and I don't get I make no money. Sure. You know, so it's like it's it's a it's a ha, has it been I mean look, I know you've done a lot of deals. And as we wind this episode down, you know, just talking about some of the deals you did sometimes you know I, I know a lot of publicists i know a lot of managers sometimes for what the money they get it's not worth the headache you know um is has it been monetarily successful for you to be a manager in this business of hip-hop for all these years i mean i do a lot of headaches and sometimes i'm like it's not even worth it and sometimes i don't get paid for it so everything's not about the money and that's what I try to tell the youth right now. Do this for the love and the passion. The money will come. And if you're going to try to do stuff for money, it's not going to get you nowhere. Everybody these days, I want the bag, I want the bag. It's not about the bag. The bag's going to come if you build it. Mm. And at the end of the day, I don't look at the candy. I look at the candy factory. People try to beat you for a 1000 Why would you want to beat me for a 1000 and I got all these relationships that I can help you and do so much when you can make millions with me because people's minds are petty. The younger generation, they right now will sell their mother down the river just to be cool on Instagram. Back in the days, we knew people that would sell their soul or their man or snitch on their man for a check. Mm. Now it's not even about the money, so to speak. It's about the fame? Even though I said money don't make a real person, it's about the fame, the likes, the coolness. And I will say this like respectfully, because I respect the mother, Chris Jenner. But the young girls are looking up to Kylie Jenner, 90 million followers. What's her resume? What's her stripe? Stripes. Don't say she's got nice ass. We know a lot of girls with nice asses. But the young girls are looking up to this situation. You know what I mean? Look up to... Bro, you my know, daughter's 17. She she bothers me to get this lip gloss from Kylie Jenner. I'm on a fucking website. It's crashing. I'm like, what am I doing? Where did I go wrong in life? You didn't go no wrong, but it's it's social I media. I think that way sometimes because I'm like, yo, I wish she, I'm, I, you know, I, I try to point her in the way, uh, you know, of look, you know, I I, don't, I respect the hustle. I just think that uh, I would 
appreciate my I'm going daughter to have better I'm role models than that. Resumes and knowledge and experience. You know, a, a Daily News reporter called me earlier about something that's happened. And I said, sir, you're worrying about a rapper and what happened with somebody he has got something going on. Why don't you go do a story about some kids who just graduated from high school in New York City or college and, you know, write a story about that. But we always want the negative. We always want the, 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 what's going on, who's broke, um, who's dating who, who's doing this, who's doing that. Why am I worrying about if Premium P got money or not? Okay. My relationship with Premium Pete is based off organically. True. Why am I worried about if this one's broke or this one's broke? And that's the problem. Everybody's always into everybody else's business and chit-chatting when they should worry about trying to make America great again or empowering each other. No no Trump, though. Or staying positive um, and, and pushing people to help each other. Sure, sure. Because, you know, it goes to show you that, uh, you know, you put a, a something positive on Instagram and may get 10,000 likes. You put up something uh, you know, where somebody's getting slapped or somebody get a million likes, you know, that, that, that that's just how the nature of the beast is. But, you know, one thing I, I, I do say that I like about you is that, you know, and it shows I'm, I'm sure you did a lot of deals for people and looked out for a lot of people and made a lot of people money. And, um, you know, people appreciate those relationships. I told you before, I like the way you do, you go around and you big people up and you really love the culture of hip hop, man. And you love the people you're dealing with, like, you're like a, a big brother or a father to some of these people, even if they're as same age as you. You know, your passion is definitely shows through, you know. But, uh, you know, like if there's a young person coming up in this game of hip hop and wanting to manage somebody and become a manager. I know before we went to break, you gave a couple of gems. What would be your advice to somebody who wants to get in this management game? Right. And I appreciate what you said. And rest in peace to Ice Pick J. Absolutely. You know, it's like we don't, you know, I feel like, you know, we need to salute people while they're here. Yeah. Why are we saluting them when they die and posting up pictures? You know what I mean? Like, we should salute people, empower them, and respect them, and, and give them their props while they're here, especially the people when we're talking about the culture and the music industry. And again, in the beginning of this interview, you said, Steve, it's hard to have someone continually stay in this business. I say I'm a dinosaur, but I'm fossil fuel because I stay relevant. Mm. But the gem to the young kid is, and I get this question a lot, I get so many young kids ask me, I want to be a manager. I said, well, be prepared to not have a life. Mm. Be prepared to work your ass off. Be prepared to go through a lot of ups and downs. You're not going to get paid in the beginning because you're not going to just walk into the game and manage Kanye sure. or ASAP Rocky or Little Yachty. You have to build it and grow with people. So while you're growing with them, you're not getting paid because the manager only gets paid when the artist makes money. And a lot of these new artists are not really making money yet. So you got to stick with this person if you believe in them. And don't care what everybody in the room says, oh, he's never going to make it. Oh, I don't like him. He's whack. If you believe in something, go with your gut. Don't follow what people say. Go with your gut. And you believe, go hard. And fight for your artist. And knock down walls and push for him. But you know what? Maybe it'd be a handshake. Maybe it'd be a signed signature. People see paperwork, they run to the hills. But... Just do the best you can do and help your artists grow a brand. And people don't understand sometimes, don't even know what a brand is. We're mostly attached to a Snickers bar or a Rolex or a Mercedes or ABC or the Giants or Nikes or Adidas because they stick to the trend of same logo, same photos, same everything. Artists come in the game and they follow a trend. They'll switch up. The look will look different. The music will change up. A consistent artist is the one who wins. That's a real brand when the consumers are mostly attached to you. So 
if you're an artist and you believe in them, go to, you know, high schools and colleges and find guys who say they shoot film and videos and say, hey, I want you to shoot some videos from an artist. If you grow with us and we blow up because of the content you did, because we're living in the content world, maybe you could be our official videographer sure. and shoot videos for us. Think, because people are out here that are ready to work for free to help something grow if they believe in it. Go to producers and create a sound with the artist and go to studios and say, hey, I'll do this for that. You know, give to get. Mm. Everybody's a taker. Mm. I'm a giver. You know what I mean? So these young managers have to understand and read some books. There's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of knowledgeable stuff now that you could Google and learn about the music business. So I keep trying to tell everybody, excuse me, I keep trying to tell everybody, we're in the music business. This is a business. We're in a business. We're not here just to look cool and hang out. This is a business. We have bills to pay. We have families to take care of. We have um, responsibilities. We have um, lives to change um, and positivity to move forward to. So learn the business. Some of the artists get in the business and they just sign away their life or just get on because they want to look cool or they're trying to impress this one, impress that one. And then years later, they know about the business and then they're like, fuck. So learn the business. Learn the culture, learn the lifestyle, learn who's who. Don't do it because it's cool right now. Hip-hop started with breakdancing, um, graffiti, and a DJ. Sure. Learn that. Don't just follow because Yeezys are in right now because Kanye and Kim Kardashian, we've been wearing Adidas and shell toes. You know what I mean? Like, people want to jump on and stuff. So And always be yourself. Everything goes up, must come down. Remain humble at all fucking times. People get a little money, get a little fame, they start changing. Remain humble. Because God don't like ugly. Because everything mm. goes up, comes down. Mm. Mm. Be yourself at all times. Anybody know Steve LaBelle? They're like, damn, man, you never change, bro. You never change. You're still the same guy. I can't jump on the, the, the bandwagon of the trend of fashion. I got to stick to what's me and what's comfortable in me. Sure, sure. You don't like me for me. There's there's nothing better than being yourself. You know, um, any regrets? Yeah. Big regret. You know, my mom passed away. Um, she used to call me all the time, like, come home for this wedding and this bar mitzvah, this Thanksgiving, this, you know, Rosh Hashanah, this Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's, come hang out. And I was like, I'm over here with this one. I'm traveling over here. I'm making this money. I'm over there. And, um, she's like, Steven, she used to call me Steven, like, Steven, you know, like, you need to find a girl. You need to start a family. You need to, you know worry about family sometimes and you know she was able to come to LA and see a house that I had built but you know at the end of the day you could take that house and take everything if I could have my mom back but um I didn't spend enough time with her so when she died I really took it really rough and I when I buried her at the cemetery I turned around I'm like damn man I made a lot of motherfuckers rich and famous and this and that and a lot of people weren't there to support me so I woke up and realized like man everybody's just out for themselves not everybody and people just want what they could take from you and, and you know, use you and stuff like that. And, um, shit, I, I, I was with a girl. She had left me. Um, I, I wanted to kill myself. I was yeah. down, man. I was down. So what I saved you? What pulled, my mom. what pulled you up? I, lost, I said, damn, I lost my mom. And my mom died in my face. She died in my face. Um, um, I was just in New York doing some business. I seen I was with her. We were laughing. And, um, you know, she had a, a nurse at the house. She wasn't sick, though. She had a nurse come and, like, you know, rub her legs and stuff because she had arthritis. And then um, 
we had to call an ambulance because she said she was bleeding out of her anal. She had colon cancer, but she was still good. And I left and went back to L.A. because I, I stayed in New York and she got better. And she, so I stayed in um, um, um. So I got a call and they said come back to New York, and I just came back from New York. I'm like what? So I didn't believe my sister. She's like come back, you know, you need to come back. I'm like nah. So I sent my man Dirty to the house. And Dirty went over to the house, and he called me. And he said, yo, get the fuck on a plane. And usually when I come to these coasts, I take the red eye. So I jumped on a plane, and I came to Queens, landed, went straight there. And um, my mom was fucking in a hospital bed in my living room on oxygen in a coma. Like, what does the fuck happen here in 48 hours? Because I was only gone for 48 hours. And um, my aunt was there. My sister was there. My nephew, my dad. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? Never had no one die in front of me. So I, I was in her ear, like, Mommy, I'm here. Mommy, I'm here. Mommy, I'm here. Mommy, I'm here. I was there for hours. And she opened her eyes, looked at me, and died. Mm-hmm. So she waited for me. And they, there's a saying that they say that. And um, I stayed in New York. I was fucked up. And then my girl left me because, she's, you know, it was just bad timing. And I was just in my fucking uh, house in Queens in the living room. And I... Try to just, you know, do something stupid. And my cousin called the police because you can get arrested for that. And then um, she stopped. And then I was just fucking down, man. I was just down. I didn't want to talk. And I was fucked up. I was like, damn, man. And then um, I just got on my knees and prayed to God like I always do. And God saved me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing, man. I'm sure your mother's looking down to you very proud, man. Yeah. Look, I want to say this as 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 we close out this episode. I want to say that, and I said this before, but I want to say it again. You know, uh, you're a passionate dude, man, and it shows. Uh, you know, the people that fuck with you, fuck with you for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and that means a lot. And then sometimes in this game, you know, you give your heart, you give your soul, you know. And I I didn't do all that manager stuff to know that, but I just know people. You give your heart and your game and your soul, and sometimes you don't get back. But you the type of dude that don't do it just to get it back. Nah, I'm a giver, like I said, and I, I'd rather give everybody else the credit and show them love and, and support them and congratulate sure. them because I'm the coach. Well, and you help, yeah, and and you know what you said the coach last one. That's the name player. of my book, so I just be playing it back. But now recently, a lot of people want to talk to me, so I do interviews. And if I have an artist, I play my position, let them get the shine because there's no ego here. I'm just I'm not a cocky dude. I'm just confident. I'm a confident person who I am. Of course, I'm a real man. Because if we in the county jail right now in Rikers Island, I got to be a man and you want to take my shoes, but you want to call me a bitch and you want to do this. I got to be a man. So I try to tell people every day in the industry that we're men. Don't let no one just disrespect you because you need to get a record played or disrespect you because this and that. So I'm a giver. I'm not a taker. And everybody knows me. They respect me. I'd rather be feared than loved. Mm-mm. I know who loves me. Yeah. I know who loves me. So I'm yeah. navigating through a, a shark type of music business. Which I know who my friends are, and I know who will be at my funeral. I know who loves me and who wants to eat, eat with me and help me and and and, and be there for me, because we're in a, in a in a shark type of business. And it's getting worse and worse now because it's a free for all now, and there's no rules in the music industry no more. It's it's, it's a free for all. Sure, and you know sometimes like you know sometimes it takes OG uh, Ted's calling. <laughs> OG, it's some shouts OG Ted. Sometimes it takes uh, you know many years of experience to w- witness that, and you have. So yeah, listen, we working. Hip hop don't know you. Where, where can they find you on Instagram? We working. I mean, they can find me on Instagram. We working. You can Google what about, Steve what Lobel. About, what about Twitter? Twitter, Twitter? Steve Lobel. Steve Lobel. Facebook, Steve Lobel okay. and Agency Entertainment. And you got uh, some. You got some besides managing. You got some other things coming up. A book coming yeah, out. Yeah, I got a book coming out called A Coach Less Longer Than a 
entertainment player. Okay. I got the Steve Lobel consulting business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I got some TV stuff coming out. Look at you. Um, I got the new Crazy Bone and Busy Bone album out mm-hmm. right now. Um, Scott's got a lot of stuff going on. I'm just, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hustler in a good way. Mm. You know, I got a lot of things going on, but sometimes I, and I do say this, less is more, and quality over quantity beats it out. I just want to tell everybody out there that, man, God is great, and that patience and sacrifice and hard work is going to pay off. But if you think it's going to happen overnight, it's not. Yeah. Um, And do what you love. Don't do it for the money. Um, Just do it for the passion and the love, and everything will come back for you, and you'll make it in life, but you got to work hard at it. People just want to cheat the game and make it happen quick and think they got these followers or this and that. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. And no. I just want to say that rest in peace to my man Jam Master Jay that put me in this goddamn game. And I try to keep his name going and, 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 and every time I do an interview and talk about this man because this man doesn't get the props that he does, sure. deserves now. And Easy e man, rest in peace, man. And thank you for introducing me to Bone Thugs and Harmony. And, um... Pac for the Outlaws and Pun. Man, I love you, man. And I'll never forget the days that you were using my Motorola flip phone to call your kids and you were just Joe's hype man. And then things came out saying that you were an abusive husband and this and that. All you gave a fuck about was your kids and your wife. And um, Heavy D. And, you know, listen, you know, a lot of times a lot of people die. And every day people die. But we go right to the names or, you know, the people that we, you know, celebrities and stuff. You know what I mean? But... Again, these are. I'm not saying this because they're rappers. These are my friends. Sure, sure. And rest in peace to Biggie and my brother and so on and so forth. And that's why I try to tell people, like, you know, learn who's what. Just don't do it. When Straight Outta Compton movie came out and everybody's taking that app, putting Straight Out of Ohio, Straight yeah, Out of yeah, here, sure, sure. and not even know who the fuck Easy e was. Yeah. Not even know NWA was just to try to follow a trend. And I'm at the premiere and I, I never seen a movie. And I'm up there like this. They're giving so much love to Easy e I'm like, fuck, thank God. Because it's easy, no easy. There's not a lot of, you know what. Sure, not a lot, not no bone thugs, you know. There's, there's a lot. Will I am was signed to yep, yep. NWA, yep. easy put the money behind it. It's a lot of things. We could sit here and talk, Pete, Listen, on and on and on. When you drop your book, you're going to come back. Bring we'll bring the return. Shout out of, April Walker. Yes, definitely. We'll bring the return of Low Bell. But listen, Steve, <laughs> thanks for stopping by. Thanks for sitting. Thanks for talking, dropping gems, telling stories. And uh, I appreciate you. And uh, I'm sure the internet's are gonna fuck with this. A couple people asked me, I told you, they said get Steve Lobel on the show. So listen, you got Steve Lobel and he's dropping gems. He's not on cocaine. He, he, no, he, I don't never did no, cocaine no, in my no, life. No. People think I'm on Coke, but I'm not. He's a he's 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 hype as fuck, man, and he's passionate, man. He's all heart. And listen, I wish the best for you, Steve. And the same to you, and I appreciate you, Pete. God bless you. Likewise. Internet, see you next episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, tell a friend to tell a friend. Internet, Steve Lobel. See you next episode. Cheer.